Bam. That was energy, man. I love it. Woo. Well, I thank God that uh, it's overcast, and um, I do not have to stand there in the sun. I'm grateful for today, and I'm grateful that you've uh, come out to worship the Lord together. Even though you guys are cold, I'm totally freezing. <laughs> but welcome. It's good to see you all, and it's really an honor to be here. Um, I hope that you had a really good Christmas, um, whether it was with immediate family or maybe some relatives and friends. Uh, for Christmas Eve, we usually go to my brother's, and we did that again. Actually, we go to my dad's, but my dad called me earlier, maybe like some of your parents did, and said, uh, let's not get together this year. <laughs> I'm like, come on, Dad. No. I understood why. And so we got together at my brother's house, and we Zoomed with my dad and my sister, who's in Wisconsin. We did the Advent candle and just sought to celebrate Christmas together the best we could. And so I pray that your Christmas together, too, was a blessing, and that he was with you, and that he encouraged you. You know, at the end of every year, um, I read through my journal. I've been journaling for years, and at the beginning of each year, I start a new journal. And at the end of that year, I, I just read through it so that I can reflect and remember the things that God has done, the things that he's taken me through. And I really recommend you doing that because we are forgetful people, right? There's so many things that... Um, come into our lives throughout the year and we bring them up to the Lord and we pray about them and God faithfully answers. And there are so many things that he continually does, but we are very uh, forgetful. And so reading through those things and seeing God answers kind of brings a continuation. It brings a continuity to God's faithfulness in our lives. And so I encourage you, maybe in 2021, that you would start to journal, you know, not like dear diary kind of journaling, but just writing down some things that, you know, are on your heart, that you're praying for, that you're struggling through, because I believe it, it is a key way in which we build our relationship with God, in which we build history with him, where we are reminded of his faithfulness. So I was reading again over this past year and, and, and reflecting on all that has transpired and uh, a lot has transpired. Right? You know, we entered into this um, pandemic quarantine time in the midst of a senior pastor transition. And throughout this year, we've had many changes. We've had to adjust to indoor service. Um, I mean, first online service, then indoor service, then outdoor service. And there's been constant change. And whenever there's a lot of change in our life, uh, there's weariness, amen? There's weariness because you're constantly adjusting. You're constantly kind of uh, planning, and, and, and we usually get rest when we can just relax. And we know that tomorrow will be the same as today. But there's a lot of change, and so there's a lot of weariness. And I thought by now, actually, I thought in April we would be out of this. <laughs> but I thought by now, definitely, we would be out of this. 
Yes, there is a vaccine and things are starting to move forward, but it just seems like we're gonna be in this for a few more months. Some people say to the fall of next year, but I continually say, no way. There is no way. And I have been continually praying differently, but I've been praying for God to change things. And yet at the same time, he has spoken to me through his word, and, and it's what I want to share with you this morning. I don't know about you, but this year has been difficult. It's been difficult. It's not like I wake up and I go, oh my God, this day is so difficult. I don't do that, but I do wake up tired. And I long for the day for things to change. But I want to share with you this morning just a passage. It's kind of maybe a sort of an obscure passage, but it's one that really comforted me in this season. And what I want to do is I just want to teach from it, and then I want to share with you some of my thoughts on what the, God, what the Lord has spoken to my heart, what he's ministered to me, and I pray that it would encourage you. But before we do that, I just want to pray. You know, let's pray. Let's, let's ask God to kind of liven up our hearts right now. And if you're with family, maybe you can grab somebody's hand. I'm going to ask you to do something weird. I don't want to grab my, my dad's hand, all right? Take a hold of his hand. If you don't have a family member here, maybe your brother or sister, that would even be worse, right? But I want us to come together in prayer because we need the Lord. We need his mercy. We need his forgiveness. If there are any relationships that are most valuable in our lives, there are our family relationships. And if there's any relationships in our lives that are most difficult, they are our family relationships, right? Because we see ourselves, we see our brothers and the sisters and our spouses in all their beautiful glory. As I say that sarcastically, right? We see everything. And we need the forgiving love of Christ we need his self-giving love. We need a love that's beyond ourselves, that comes from him in order to love those around us, in order to be able to engage and to remain committed to one another in our families. Because in our families where his love can truly be established. I tell my kids that it's easy to love your friends because you want your friends to like you. But not so necessarily with family, right? You want them maybe to like you, but not so much. But there's a motivation for friendship. You want their love, but in family, you love because God has called, loved you first. I think that's where love is purified. It's in our intimate relationships and specifically in our marriages. And so I want to come before the Lord and just pray for us. And so let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. And Father, nothing is hidden from your eyes. 
You see everything. And Lord, you know the joys of our home life, the things we are grateful for. And Lord, you know the deep pain, the frustration, the bitterness. You know it all. And so I come before you on behalf of my brothers and sisters who love you, who look to you, and I ask that you would do a work of real redemption and love within families, within marriages, relationships between fathers and sons, mothers and daughters. And that, Father, you would ignite within us again the hope that you are alive, that you've come to bring new life, and you've come to bring hope. And so, Father, be with us now. We need you, and we love you, and our hope is in you. Thank you, in your name I pray. Amen. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking at Luke 17. The whole passage is Luke 17, 20 to 37. But I'm primarily going to just focus on Luke 17, verses 20 and 21. This is one of the verses that, um, again... God really comforted me with, and another one is John 17, verses 20 and 21. But I'm going to focus on this one this morning. The gospel, the <clears throat> Luke writes this, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, Jesus answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. It cannot be seen. It says, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. Right? It's there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Or as the NIV translators write, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is within you. When Jesus started his public ministry, in the Gospel of Mark chapter 15, it says that he went about proclaiming that the kingdom of God was at hand, that it had come. And so he was calling people to repent, to turn, to believe in him, for the kingdom of God was here. And so and when Jesus started preaching that the kingdom of God, specifically using those words, that the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God was here, it caught people's attention. And the reason why it caught their attention was because in Jesus' day, there was a movement. There was a shared hope and expectation among the Jewish people in Palestine that God was going to raise up a special king or a priest, a special someone, a Messiah, an anointed one, that's what Messiah means, anointed one, who would defeat Israel's enemies and restore the kingdom. And so when Jesus began to proclaim that the kingdom of God was at hand, 
And not only teach that, but when he began to ma uh, manifest divine power to heal and exercise absolute authority over the demonic world, and when he fed thousands of people and even raised the dead back to life, many began to hope and believe that maybe this Jesus was indeed the promised Messiah. And that the kingdom of heaven, I mean that the kingdom of Israel, the restoration of the kingdom of Israel was close at hand. Jesus sort of uh, fit this Messiah figure, but he also did not. But in this passage, when the Pharisees are asking Jesus when the kingdom of God is coming, he makes it very clear, right, that the kingdom that he is bringing will not be established in ways that can be seen. People would not say of Jesus' kingdom that he's bringing. He, they would not say, look, here it is. Right? There, his kingdom is here. And the reason why it will not, would not be seen and that people would not say it's here is because his kingdom would not be an earthly kingdom. Now, when the Pharisees and even his disciples heard Jesus teach of a kingdom that wasn't an earthly kingdom, this made no sense to them. It made absolutely no sense to them. And when we read the Gospels, all right, we see that even um, as Jesus was going to Jerusalem to finally be crucified for the sins of the world, the disciples were still thinking that he was going there to establish his kingdom. They still believe that. Even though Jesus was teaching otherwise, and he teaches otherwise here, they kept on believing that he was going to set up an actual kingdom. Why do they keep believing that? Jesus on many occasions has told them that he's not going to Jerusalem to establish an earthly kingdom. He's going there to die. And not only that, he says right here to the Pharisees and, and they're within uh, him and they are there listening to him that his kingdom is not something to be observed. And yet they keep on believing that he's going to establish a place. He's going to bring back the glory of, of the kingdom of Israel. And the only reason why I can think that even though Jesus is saying he's not going to do that, that they keep on believing that he is, is because I think they are just like us. In that they believe that their greatest problems are outside of themselves. And that their greatest problems are for a better kingdom. That when they, look at their, when they looked at their lives and when they sought a solution for what would be best, it was always that things outside of them would change. They were longing for a better kingdom. And that desire was strong. And they wanted it dearly. They longed to be free from foreign oppression. They longed for their own kingdom for which, in which God's laws would be the law of the land. And where righteousness and mercy would reign. Right? They were hoping for a kingdom where the wicked would be justly punished. 
and disputes would be decided with equity and truth. There would be total fairness. They were yearning for a kingdom also in which they would have, prominent, they would have a prominent leadership role and enjoy the blessings and security of enduring peace. But when we look at verse 21, Jesus says, For behold, the kingdom is in the midst of you. It is within you. It's not a place. It's not a place where your circumstances change and things are good. But this does not register in the minds of the disciples And I also think it doesn't register in our minds today. And I think we know that God's kingdom is not a place. Now listen, he will come one day to establish his kingdom here on earth. And we believe that is his second coming. And we believe that when he comes, and this is what uh, verses 20, no, verses 22 to 37, when Jesus turns to his disciples in chapter 17, this is what Jesus is talking about in in those verses. That when he comes his second time, he will establish his kingdom here on earth. He will vanquish evil. All suffering and hardship will end because he will reign. And at that time, There will be a peace that will not end. There will be a joy that will be everlasting. He will be with us, and we will have that which we long for. But until that day, his kingdom is not on this earth. It's not a place. His kingdom is within us. I'm going to take a sip of water because my mouth is parched. (sighs) I think we do the same thing. We know that God's kingdom is not here yet and that he will establish it when he comes again. But I believe we still look outside of ourselves for his kingdom. We look outside of ourselves to to the problems in our life rather than looking within. You know, at the beginning of this lockdown, at the end of March, I was in total disbelief uh, over the decisions that were being made. On Tuesday night, uh, I worked the Laker and Nets game. I think it was March 10th or something like that. And at that game, they called us into the room and they said, hey, you know, we're probably going to go to fanless games next week. And I thought, that's ridiculous, right? And I'm like, okay, whatever. And uh, I went home that day and I told my uh, family about that. And uh, the next day, that's when um, I think... Some other NBA players came out as uh, being positive for COVID-19. And then they canceled the whole NBA season. I was like, what? And then a series of other um, uh, major, major professional sports started ending their seasons. 
And then Disneyland closed, right? Man, when Disneyland closed, I don't know about you, but I was like, what is going on? And now we're nine months out and it's still closed. But when it was closed, I was in disbelief. And then our schools closed. And can I hear an amen for the parents that the schools might be opened again? Right? Lord, please. But when that happened, I found myself just continually longing for a day when this would change. I was fighting it. I would read the articles every single day. I would scourge the internet. And it would frustrate me so much because they would always say, we don't know about this virus. And yet we would be making some incredibly crazy decisions that would impact millions of lives on information we were uncertain about. And it got me so mad. Ministries here at Evergreen ended. They stopped. And by the way, I cannot stand ministry online. I don't like it. I know it's the way, and I'm thankful for God for Zoom. But I love to see you guys. And I know there's many out there who feel the same. We need each other. And so as we were, as, as we were going through this, I was just so frustrated and there's, again, such a wide spectrum of opinions on what's happening. That in our love and care for this church family, we are trying to care for each person. But it brought me to the end of my rope. And um, I was just like, there's nothing I could do, God. There's nothing I could do. And I was very, very frustrated, and maybe you can relate to that. It's like some of you have been stuck at home. And maybe the only time you come out is you come here. Amen. Thank you. Right? It's good to be here. But this might be the one place. But otherwise, your lives have stopped. My heart goes out to the children. And to my kids, too. And yet, there's, it just seems like, what is there to do? What can we do? And so when I read this passage, Jesus reminded me that his kingdom is not something external. It's not happening. It's not a place that no matter what our circumstances are, no matter where we find ourselves, God reigns. He rules, and he calls me to trust him. And one of the greatest things that, again, he reminded me is that our greatest problem is not outside of us, it is within us. Our greatest problem is our stubborn, self-serving, royal will. That is our greatest problem. There are ways in which we desire to live, things we like, desires that we have, that in the end, I promise you, will leave you empty. And Jesus has come to bring his reign and his, 
and his rulership upon our lives again so that we might have true life. That we might have true joy and true fellowship with the Father. And so our greatest challenge during this time, my greatest challenge during this time of COVID, is not that this is like, uh, is not the circumstances that I'm dealing with, but it is my will. Am I willing to surrender to what God is doing in my life now? And are you willing to surrender to what God is doing in your heart now? God is doing something. His reign has not ended. His work in this church and in this world has not stopped. He is continuing to move. And his movement is for it within us that his people, that we might yield ourselves fully to him and to his will. And although we might not see things happening around us, he is working. And I believe he is preparing us for what is next. I want you to know that there is a huge global shift happening right now. It's not like I have great insight into this, right? But we're obviously going through a huge shift. You don't stop world national economies and not affect this entire world. I do not know what is ahead, but I do know that whatever is going to happen, we're going to need the love and power of God's sovereign reign over our lives to bring us through, and our children, definitely. And so in this time, I hear God calling us to yield ourselves to him. To yield our will to him. What are the things that you are battling with him now about? Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's just getting along in your families. Could be a job. Could be sickness. What is it that he is asking you to yield to him? To give to him? To trust him with? This is the time God's kingdom is now. And he's calling us to trust him. You know, I think this fits really well with Pastor Rocky's emphasis with discipleship. Ever since he has arrived here, he has said that this is going to be the primary focus of our church. It is going to be discipleship. And what is discipleship? It is loving and knowing Christ and following him together. It is knowing and loving our Lord and Savior, following him together. You see, when all the um, busyness of ministry and activity stopped, what was left? What was left was our relationship with the Lord and with one another. That is what's left. And I think this time has revealed 
either the depth of our relationship with the Lord or its shallowness. And I think this time has revealed either the depth of our relationships with one another or the lack of depth. We must be and we will be all about knowing, loving, and following Christ. It is why he came. And so my prayer is that in 2021, the things that we will begin to offer and do will be things that directly deal with our relationship with our Lord and Savior. That we will provide more opportunities in God willing when people are ready to gather like this Sunday mornings and maybe even during the week now, we would begin to get to know those around us and understand that God has brought us together to love one another as he has loved us and to know him. To know him, to know his forgiveness, his power, and his truth. The main thing this is going to require is that we surrender. We surrender to the King, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And surrendering is humbling, right? No one likes to admit that they're wrong. But surrender is the gateway into the kingdom of heaven. And God is calling us to do that. I think some of the, the, the very first places we can begin to surrender, again, is where we find ourselves, and that's in our homes. I will say this one thing. There's probably many of you that need to ask for forgiveness for one another. <laughs> I think a lot of times in Asian culture, we don't ask, will you forgive me? Actually, I think probably in any culture, maybe people don't say that, right? But I know a lot of times within the family I grew up, the person who did wrong just kind of knows they did wrong. And then they're kind of really nice to you for like about a day or two. And there's just this acknowledgement, yeah, I did wrong. But you know what? God asks us to ask for forgiveness from one another. And I believe one of the greatest ways in which we can have Christ begin to reign in our lives is to simply surrender ourselves to his loving ways and to simply ask the person we've hurt in our family, will you forgive me? I treated you badly. I spoke rudely. I was a jerk. You can have them add some other adjectives. <laughs> but just to apologize and let the kingdom of God, his reign, come into your home. As we enter 2021, I pray that we would all, we would be all about the kingdom of God's reign in our lives that we would yield our will to his, and that we would come to receive the blessings and the peace and the joy that his kingdom reign brings.
I think that's it. So please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I lift up my brothers and sisters here. I know they love you. I ask Jesus that the stubborn, self-serving royal will within our hearts would be yielded to you. That we would confess our pride and that, Father, you would bring refreshment through your spirit. You would bring new life. You would bring humility, gentleness, kindness, and love. And that your kingdom reign would rule and be lifted up in our lives. Lord, we love you. We need you. And we worship you. Thank you, Father. Amen.